This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. It's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, while Superman pits his strength against the might of the sun at the top of a towering snow-covered mountain in the Alps, Robert Archer and a group of terrified villagers stand far below and witness a hair-raising sight. They're trembling. What is it? He comes from the motel! gang the first batch of winners in the Superman Hidden Word Contest. Your name may be among these, so listen carefully. C. Christensen, Twin Valley, Minnesota. Donnie Harper, Lakeport, New Hampshire. Nancy Beardsley, Wellington, Colorado. Paul Snyder, Bronx, New York. Richard Rose, Dorchester, Massachusetts. Robert Goodman, Jamaica, New York. Sandra Waits, Oakland, California. Harold Brown, Brooklyn, New York. Kurt Miller, Morristown, New Jersey. Raymond Rowe, Wahoo, Nebraska. Larry Arco, Brooklyn, New York. Gene Woolridge, Carney, Nebraska. Anne Milligan, Westwood, Massachusetts. Elizabeth Green, Elmira, New York. Marzella Barringer, Fort Thomas, Kentucky. Charles Ballard, Oklahoma City, Connie Stirr, Gresham, Wisconsin, Louise Pennington, Detroit, Lane Grossman, Rhinelander, Wisconsin, Patrick Cavanaugh, Grand Rapids, Kenneth Dyer, Abilene, Kansas, Louise McNally, Quincy, Massachusetts, Albert Levitt, New Haven, Sandra Hosmer, Belleville, Illinois, Walter Eden, New York City, Joyce White, Monaco, Wisconsin, James Mergen, St. Paul, Minnesota, Gerald Sharpton of Dewey, Oklahoma, John Bentley of Fulton, New York, James Stock, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, Alan Jones, Bristol, Connecticut, Ray Hayes, Dexter, Oregon, Robert Hewn, Newcastle, Delaware, Minnie Bell, Madison, Brunswick, Georgia, Vita Shelton, Monmouth, Illinois, Robert Simeokoski, Waterbury, Connecticut, Danny Carew, Dubuque, Jackie Griffin, Lewistown, Maine, Thomas Purcell, Newport, Kentucky, John Bristol, Clinton, Iowa, Burl Banker, Minneapolis, Gerald Babbage of Cedar Rapids, Iowa, Rosario Sparazza, Boston, Larry Rappert of Morgantown, West Virginia, Benny Lawrence, St. Petersburg, Florida, Louis Weintraub of Malton, Massachusetts, Harry Hannes, Chicago, Shelby Andrews, Funkstown, Maryland, Nancy Rodhouse, Pittsfield, 
Massachusetts, and Phyllis Popko of Teaneck, New Jersey. That's all for now, gang. More later in the program, so keep listening. And now, the adventures of Superman. Just before he died, a famous nuclear physicist named Sir Hubert Clay confided the secret of a mighty sun weapon to his midget companion, Freddy. Telling him that the devastating weapon was timed to shatter the world on the stroke of February 1st, Sir Hubert instructed the tiny man to find Robert Archer, a former assistant, who would be able to avert the catastrophe. With the aid of Superman, Freddy was on the verge of contacting Archer when he was captured by the Boot, an international conspirator who forced Sir Hubert's secret from him, then flew by plane to a distant mountain cave near the Swiss border where the mighty sun weapon had been set up. But at his moment of triumph, the Boot was killed by a mountain guide whom he had tried to destroy. With only moments remaining before the unleashed atomic power of the sun would shatter the world, Superman streaked to the mountain cave and pitted his own titanic strength against the sun. Suddenly there was a gigantic explosion and the top of the great mountain was cast up toward the heavens in a vast shower of debris that carried the man of steel with it. radius of a hundred miles, the sky was irradiated as in a tremendous pyrotechnic display. And then the light faded, and in the quiet alpine valley, invisible under hundreds of tons of rock and stone and soiled snow, lay the sprawled, unmoving figure of Superman. Early the next morning, from the tiny village below the decapitated mountain, Robert Archer and Henri, the wounded guide, walked slowly into the valley. Certain that Superman was destroyed in the explosion, Henri carries a wreath of mountain flowers. When he and Archer reach the vast mound of soil and rock and uprooted trees, the guide places his wreath gently at the foot of the mound. Rest in peace, Superman. He gave his life that we and the rest of mankind could live, Henri. Oui, Monsieur Roger. He was a great and good man. Yes, and now he's gone. I can hardly believe it. Ah, it does not seem possible. Wait. What is it, monsieur? Look, Henri. The, the mound of debris, it's moving. Sacre, no. What can this be? Great heavens, look. There, there's a hand coming out of the mound. And, and great Scott, Henri, it's Superman. No, 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 this cannot be. He's alive. Superman's alive. It must be with weakness. Ah. Sorry if I startled you, gentlemen. This is the happiest moment of my life, Superman. I, I thought you were done for. Well, so did I, as a matter of fact. I do not dream. You are really Superman. <laughs> In person, Henri. And except for my costume, which looks as if it had gone through a cement mixer, I never felt better. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Oui, for this I give thanks to the bon Dieu, monsieur. <laughs> so do I, Henri. And I'm glad to see you're all right, too. I uh, got the boot's bullet broke your arm, eh? Oui, but it was worth the pain now that the evil one is no more. And for him... <laughs> I do not agree. Nor do I. He had it coming to him. Yes, he certainly did. Now let's forget the boot. We've got to get back to America, Mr. Archer. Oh, by the way, I almost forgot. There's nothing left of Sir Hubert's cave or his sun weapon. Did you see enough of it to be able to reconstruct it? No. Sir Hubert's great secret is gone forever. That, I think, is for the past. Yes, Henri, it's probably just as well. Sir Hubert created it in the belief he could frighten the nations of the world into keeping the peace. But it can't be done that way. Uh, Boot showed us that when he almost obtained possession of the weapon. Yes, true peace can only come when all men want it enough to bury their greed and hate and self-seeking and meet their fellow men in friendship with understanding. That's right, Superman. Do that, I say. Amen. But now we've got to get moving, Mr. Archer. I'm ready, Superman. Goodbye, Henri. And good luck. Au revoir, monsieur. And may le bon Dieu bless you. <laughs> 
Up with you, Mr. Archer. Goodbye, Henri. Au revoir, Monsieur Archer. Au revoir. Up and away! <laughs> Leaping up from the little valley with Robert Archer in his arms, Superman pauses in curious flight for a brief moment to wave to the smiling guide and to look once more at the oddly decapitated Nelson, the scene of one of his most hazardous and exciting experiences. And then he summons his great strength and rockets away to the west, over plains and cities and rivers, and out over the vast Atlantic, on his way back to Metropolis. following day, once more in his guise and garb of Clark Kent, the mild-mannered and bespectacled reporter, he is in his office in the Daily Planet writing a follow-up on his great story when the door opens and cub reporter Jimmy Olsen enters with Freddy. The tiny man, although still a bit wan, is beaming and resplendently attired in a new frock coat of emerald green, striped trousers pressed to a razor's edge, and gleaming patent leather shoes. And hung from his arm is a tiny rolled umbrella. Hi, Mr. Kent. Hello, Jim. Look who's here. Freddy! <laughs> well, when did they let you out of the hospital? Uh, just now. Well, I say, Mr. Kent, it was jolly decent of you to send me this new outfit. Oh, think nothing of it, Freddy. Do they fit all right? Oh, perfectly. My other garments were completely ruined in the boots beastly chimney, you know. Boy, doesn't he look sharp, though? <laughs> he certainly does. <laughs> Come on, Freddy, let me put you up on my desk and we can get a good look at you. Very uh, well, old man. There you are. Wow, sure looks keen. <laughs> uh, do, uh, do you think we met? audiences will like me. American audiences? Why do you ask? Oh, he's going back into the circus business. Oh, yes. I've just signed up to appear with the great Bartram and Billing Circus, you know. You have? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, indeed. And I'm to be one of their stellar attractions. That's so. Certainly. You look keen enough. Well, you know, I've been positively snowed under with offers since yesterday, Mr. Kent. I, I mean, when your story, accrediting me with saving the whole blooming world, appeared on the Daily Planet. You know? Well, that's pretty swell, eh, Jim? It sure is. Oh, but I'll miss you, Freddy. I was uh, kind of hoping you'd stick around here. Oh, well, I'll miss you too, old chap. A fight for you. But, uh, well, you know how it is. Show must go on and all that sort of thing. Sure, I know. But uh, the circus plays Metropolis of the year, you know. So I'll be seeing both of you chaps there. Say, that's right. Oh, we'll be right there in box East, Freddy. Oh, excuse me. Oh, Clark Kent speaking. Mr. Kent, it's Robin. Robin? That's right, Batman. Oh, yes, Robin. Well, what can I do for you? Can you come out to our house right away? Well, yes, but what's wrong, Robin? You sound rather upset. I am, Mr. Kent. Something terrible has happened. Great Scott, what on earth? I can't talk about it on the phone. Can you come out here, please? Right now. Why, yes, of course. Hurry, please, Mr. Kent. Hurry. I'll be there at once, Robin. Just sit tight. by Robin's urgent message, Clark Kent replaces the phone and, ignoring Jimmy Olsen's questions, hurries from his office. A moment later, he is en route to the home of the famous Batman and Robin as Superman. And now, back to the adventures of Superman. Summoned by Robin, the young companion of the famous Batman, Superman streaks to the handsome mansion which is occupied by the dynamic duo as Dick Grayson and Bruce Wayne. And now, as we rejoin Superman, he is once more in his guise of Clark Kent and is questioning you. Dick Grayson in the living room. What's wrong, Dick? Why are you so upset? It, it's Batman, Mr. Kent. Well, what about Batman? He, he's gone. Gone? What do you mean? I'm just what I said. He's gone, I tell you. But he... And I'm afraid we, we'll never see him again. Startled, Clark Kent stares at young Dick Grayson, who chokes back the tears as he repeats... We'll never see poor Batman again. What does Robin mean? 
What has happened to the great Batman? Fellows and girls, don't miss tomorrow's exciting episode when we begin a brand new and action-packed mystery adventure of Superman with Batman and Robin. Be sure to tune in tomorrow, same time, same station, for chapter one of a new adventure of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at this same time. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, aha! It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah! Full of exclusive loot, fun surprises, and delivered to your door every month! Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy! <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude! Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box! Woohoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, those are facts just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, in his guise of Clark Kent, Superman receives startling news from Robin, the young companion of the famous Batman who, visibly upset, explains... Batman is gone, Mr. Kent. Gone? What do you mean, Robin? I mean he's gone and... and I'm... I'm afraid we'll never see him again. All right, gang, get set now for more Superman contest winners. You may be among these, so listen carefully. Out of Hackenstadt, Fargo, North Dakota, William Frost, Hastings, Nebraska, Jim Butler, Bellevue, Kentucky, Robert Jones, Jackson, Mississippi, Nancy Humphrey, Grants Pass, Oregon, Gail N. Dalbert, Buffalo, Rita Schweitzer, Brooklyn, New York, Mary Powell, St. Paul, Minnesota, Henry Phillips, Atlantic City, Donald Richardson, Tioga, Colorado, John Watkins, Grinnell, Iowa, Jerome Isaacs, Bronx, New York, Florence Brooks, Denver, Pete Kutrell, Coast, Dover, New Hampshire, Joan Eisenstadt, Miami Beach, Florida, Mickey Speakman, Wilmington, Delaware, 
Robert Grassell, Glastonbury, Connecticut. Jimmy French, Louisville, Kentucky. Patricia Taylor, Long Beach, California. James Harvey, Columbia, Mississippi. Boyd Connor, Crown Point, Indiana. Marion Dougherty, Holland, Michigan. Robert Winchell, Port U, New York. Mary McDaniel, Bethel, Ohio. Lynn Papp, Fairmont, North Dakota. Joseph Ponachewski, Newark, New Jersey. Gene Thomason, Arkadelphia, Arkansas. Jackie Caplow, New York City. Don Boblight, Overland, Missouri. Catherine Smith, Laurel, Mississippi. Pat Strickland, Gainesville, Florida. Barbara Hammond, Lewiston, Maine. Mary Kane, Tipton, Iowa. Alvin Wyman, Southbury, Massachusetts. Henry Wegeman, Corona, New York. Robert DeBow, Hagerston, Maryland. Junior Dion, Augusta, Maine. Cletus Seifers, Arkansas. Douglas Near, San Francisco. Nancy Carter, Minneapolis. Tom Inman, Pueblo, Colorado. Betty Wiggs, Manville, New Jersey. Leon Zizek of Lynn, Massachusetts. Joe Brown, Vicksburg, Mississippi. Carol Rune, Chicago. Carter Christian, Decatur, Georgia. Robert Godet, Hartford, Connecticut. Jerome Coffer, Brooklyn, New York. Jim Buckley, Trenton, New Jersey. And John Robbins, St. Paul, Minnesota. That's all for now. More later in the program. So keep listening. <laughs> And now, the adventures of Superman. When Clark Kent, who is really Superman, received an urgent phone call from Robin, the young companion of the famous Batman, he hurried to the handsome mansion which the dynamic duo occupy in their true identities of Dick Grayson and Bruce Wayne. Kent found young Grayson greatly agitated. Just as Kent closed the door behind him, the youngster, choking back tears, exclaimed, Batman's gone, Mr. Kent, and, and I'm afraid we'll never see him again. Oh, gosh, what'll I do, Mr. Kent? What'll I do? First thing you must do, Dick, is pull yourself together and tell me exactly what happened. I I can't. I'm so worried I can't even think. Nonsense, you've got to. Now, come on, son. What did you mean when you said Batman was gone and we'd never see him again? Well, I... I mean he's gone. Forever. Forever? He... He's not dead, is he? I... I'm afraid he is. Why do you say that? Because he told me before he went away. If he didn't come back within a week and, and if I didn't hear from him, I... I'd probably never see him again. How long ago was that? It was exactly 12 days ago. I see. Did he tell you where he was going? No, no, I asked him, but he said he couldn't tell me. Well, that's rather unusual. I mean, for Batman not to tell you, isn't it? It's the first time it ever happened. Did he give you any idea why he was going away? None at all. He just told me that something very important had come up. Something he just couldn't tell me about. That's odd. And then he said if he wasn't back inside of a week, he, he might never come back. No, I'm scared, Mr. Kent. Ah, uh, I... take it easy, son. Take it easy. Look, were you and Batman working on any particular case when he went away? No. For once, everything was nice and peaceful. It was, eh? Yes, I can't understand it. Hmm. Did you question Alfred, your butler? Maybe Batman said something to him. No, he didn't. I asked Alfred. What about the police? Did you call Inspector Henderson? Not yet. Because I kept hoping Batman would show up. I see. And besides, he always told me if ever I was in trouble and he wasn't around, I was to call you. Uh-huh. Well, obviously he knew he was going into something dangerous or he wouldn't have said what he did, but what gets me is that he didn't leave some some clue for one of us just in case. You'd think he'd do that. But I know he didn't because Wait, I... Dick. Do you know where Batman keeps his private papers? Yes, in a vault in his bedroom. Why? Do you have a key to the vault? It's a combination lock. I know the combination. Good. But... Let's go up and have a look at this vault. It's just possible we'll find a clue there. Looked at everything except Batman's will, Dick. Unless there's something in that to give us a lead, I'll admit I'm stumped. Might as well open it and see, Mr. Kent. Yeah, I suppose so. Well, here goes. Hmm, very short. I, Bruce Wayne, being of sound health and mind, to declare this to him, I suppose, testament. Lists several charities he leaves a lot of money to, and 
And I bequeath the bulk of my estate to my friend Richard Grayson. That's you. Look, are you sure there isn't anything else in his will? No. Nothing that would give us a lead. Oh, gosh. What will we do, Mr. King? I don't know. Somehow this just doesn't add up, Dick. I'm sure Batman wouldn't have walked out knowing he might never come back without leaving some tiny hint. Wait a minute. Maybe he couldn't. Didn't have time. Didn't have time. Look, where were you and Batman? I mean, the last time you saw him. Right here. I was asleep in my room. He came in and woke me up. Was he alone? Sure. He... Wait a minute. I've been so upset, I forgot about it. Forgot about what? I think there was somebody with him. Somebody who was standing right outside my door. Can you remember who it was? It was too dark to see well, but I think it was the same man Batman was talking to in the study. When was this? Earlier in the evening. Some man came to see Batman. He took him into the study downstairs. I see. Did you get a look at him? No, I was getting ready for a bed when I heard the doorbell. Batman let him in, and then I heard their voices in the study. Did you hear anything they said? No. The study door was closed, you see, and I was pretty sleepy. So all I heard was a murmur of their voices. I see. Then Batman disappeared that night. Yes. And now I'm almost sure that man, whoever he was, was standing right outside my bedroom door when Batman said goodbye to me. And that may be why Batman couldn't tell you anymore at that time. That's right. Of course. Come on, Dick. Let's get out of the study. I want to have a look around there with you. Any luck, Dick? See anything odd, out of place? No, Mr. Kent. I can't find anything in this room that wasn't here before. Uh, I can't make this add up, Dick. Because I'm so sure Batman wouldn't have walked out without leaving us some hint or... Wait a minute, what's this? Oh, that's our recording machine. We use it to record important phone calls or some special radio programs. I see. When's the last time you or Batman used it, do you remember? Oh, sure. Time we were trailing the Umbrella Man. Oh? We expected him to call up and try and make a deal with us. He did, and the recording of his phone call helped to send him to jail. Yes, I remember that story. That was several months ago. Mm, yeah, I guess so. Well, you must have used it since then. No, that was the last time. I remember because I put a new spool of recording wire on the machine just a day or two before Batman disappeared. And we had no occasion to use it since. Well, there's something recorded on that new wire, Dick. Huh? Holy smokes, is there? Uh-huh. And this may be just what we're looking for. What do you mean, Mr. Kent? If the wire was blank a day or two before Batman disappeared, and now there's something recorded on it, it may mean Batman used the machine when he was with the stranger on the night he disappeared. You mean Batman might have recorded something on the machine to tell us where he went? Could be. Let's play the recording back and find out. Eagerly, Clark Kent and Dick Grayson prepare to play back the recording. Will they hear anything that will give them a clue to the disappearance of the famous Batman? And now, back to the adventures of Superman. In the famous Batman study, Clark Kent and Dick Grayson, who is Robin, are about to play back a spool of wire discovered in a recording machine in an effort to find a clue to Batman's mysterious disappearance. Adjusting the machine, Kent calls out. Okay, Dick, turn it on. Right, Mr. Kent, here goes. That's the man you heard with Batman that night, Dick? Uh-huh. Why can't we discuss it right here? Because, as I explained before, I prefer to discuss such an important matter in my own home. Or in some uh, neutral place, if you prefer. You think I might have spies around here, huh? Let's just say I prefer not to take chances. I see. What are they talking about? Black, will you find Mr. Jones. You don't want to take chances, but you don't hesitate to ask me to take them. You come here with some cock and bull story. It's not a cock and bull story, Mr. Wayne. I've told you the truth. Maybe. And maybe your name is Jones. But you must admit it sounds pretty fishy. I mean, telling me as little as you have, and then asking me to go somewhere with you alone. How do I know you're not leading me into 
Why should I? Well, I am pretty rich, you know. You may have some ransom idea in your head. Gosh, listen to what That's you. sheer nonsense, Mr. Wayne, as you'll find out. But we're wasting time. Will you come to my place? Sorry, Mr. Jones. I'm not a coward, but neither am I a fool. You'll have to tell me more. And if I refuse, I don't go with you. I think you will, Mr. Wayne, because if you don't... Then what? Then I shall be compelled to reveal to the world that you, Bruce Wayne, are Batman. What's that? Great, yes, Mr. Wayne. I will publicly reveal that you, Bruce Wayne, and the famous Batman are one and the same. Shocked, Clark, Kit, and Dick Grayson stare at each other in wonder and dismay as the recording completes its feedback. Who is the mysterious and threatening Mr. Jones who has somehow discovered the secret of Batman's double identity? The secret Batman cherishes as much as Clark Kent guards his own identity as Superman. And what has happened to Batman? Tomorrow, Kent and Robin receive an even greater shock. So don't fail to listen, fellows and girls. Be sure to tune in, same time, same station, for Chapter 2 of Batman's Great Mystery on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at this same time. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman. Strange visitor from the planet Krypton who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, in his guise of Clark Kent, Superman and Robin hear a conversation between the missing Batman and a stranger on a wire recording, and receive the shock of their lives. Get set now for more Superman contest winners. You may be among these, so listen carefully. George Leon, New York City. Vernon Lind, S. Cava, Michigan. Carol Reed, Dorchester, Massachusetts. Marianne Porter, St. Louis. Robert Schwartzwald, Brooklyn, New York. Patricia Kennedy, Bakersfield, California. <laughs> Stephen Fitter, Regal Park, New York. Barbara Knox, Suffield, Connecticut. Dick Ritholt, Chicago. Betsy Burton, Tifton, Georgia. Christine Guptill, Peabody, Massachusetts. James Baca, Hancock, Michigan. Paul Schlamowitz, Brooklyn, New York. Joan Del Grande, San Francisco. Robert Josephs, Boston. Lois Eaton, Newington, Connecticut. Bobby Maynard, Pentwater, Michigan. Elaine Henley, Bainbridge, Georgia. Melba Parnell, Pine Bluff, Arkansas. Joanne Hazelwood, Cincinnati. Anthony Mignon, Brooklyn, New York. Jimmy Kilpatrick, Glenside, Pennsylvania. Rollin Muller, Buffalo, New York. 
Dorothy Firely, Bridgeport, Pennsylvania. Nancy Mesnick, Alexandria, Virginia. Kenneth Palmer, Rutland, Vermont. Bill Hayes, Salt Lake City. Charles Petros, Dallas, Texas. Walter Williams, Portsmouth, Virginia. Phyllis Santison, Woodhaven, New York. Edward Welcome, West Hartford, Connecticut. Aline Rayfield, Knoxville, Tennessee. Donald Barnhart, Mitchell, South Dakota. Uh, Francis Ganey, Hartsville, South Carolina. Donald Young, Newport, Rhode Island. Nancy Mong, Huntington, Pennsylvania. Beatrice Allen, Waterloo, Wisconsin. Ronald Travis, Fairmont, West Virginia. Don Vernon, Seattle, Washington. Gordon Thomas, Arlington, Virginia. Bill Schmidt, Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. John Alper, New York City. Donald Campbell, Bradford, Pennsylvania. David Waters, Arlington, Virginia. Ruth Patton, Madison, Wisconsin. Joel Siegel, Philadelphia. Stanley Koslowski, Bremerton, Washington. Eddie Power, Marshall, Texas. Carol Hogg, Kenosha, Wisconsin. And Alice Johansson, Seattle, Washington. That's all for now or later in the program, so be sure to keep listening. And now, the adventures of Superman. Insisting that he was unable to explain, Batman told Robin, his young companion, that he was going away. And he added that if he failed to return after one week, Robin might never see him again. When 12 days went by and Batman failed to return, Robin summoned Clark Kent, who is really Superman. Together they searched for a clue to Batman's disappearance. And then, in a recording machine, Kent discovered a wire recording of a conversation between Batman and a mysterious man named Jones. Holy smokes, Mr. Kent. Did you hear what that man said? Yes, I did. He knows Bruce is Batman. So it seems. How did he ever find that out? I don't know, Dick. But it appears that somehow he did find it out, and he must have used that information to make Batman go away with him. Under threat that he'd expose Bruce's double identity if he didn't. Right, but who is he? How did he find out Bruce is Batman? Where did he take him? You got me. All we know is that the man's name is Jones. Or is it? Who knows? And if, even if it is, that's a pretty slim clue. There are only a couple of million people named Jones, you know. Yeah, I know. So where are we? Oh, we're in no place yet. Look, do you mind if I play this recording once again, Dick? No, but what do you expect to get out of it? Well, there was something vaguely familiar about the voice of that fellow Jones. Gosh, do you think you know him? Well, not sure, but I think I've heard his voice before. I'll start the recording, anyway. Please don't say anything until it's over, will you, Dick? I'll make like a clam, Mr. Kent. Okay, good. Here goes. That's a strange request, Mr. Jones, you said your name was? Jones is right, Mr. Wayne. But strange or not, I insist that you come to my place with me now to discuss the matter. But why? Why can't we discuss it right here? Because, as I explained before, I prefer to discuss such an important matter in my own home. Or in some uh, neutral place, if you prefer. You would think I might have spies around here. Let's just say I prefer not to take chances. I see. You know, you amuse me, Mr. Jones. You don't want to take chances, but you don't hesitate to ask me to take them. You come here with some cock and bull story. It's not a cock and bull story, Mr. Wayne. I told you the truth. Maybe. And maybe your name is Jones. But you must admit it sounds pretty fishy. I mean, telling me as little as you have and then asking me to go somewhere with you alone. How do I know you're not leading me into an ambush? Why should I? Well, I am pretty rich, you know. You may have some random idea in your head. That's sheer nonsense, Mr. Wayne, as you'll find out. But we're wasting time. Will you come to my place? Sorry, Mr. Jones. I'm not a coward, but neither am I a fool. You'll have to tell me more. That's enough. And if I refuse, I don't go with you. Well, do you recognize that guy Jones's voice? Do you know who he is? Nope. Oh, shucks. But now I know definitely that I've heard his voice before, Dick. Oh, if only I could place him. I'd like to place him, too, at the end of my fist. Well, you may get that chance. Uh, do you have a pair of shears, Dick? Uh-huh. There's a pair right here in this drawer. Will you please let me have them? Sure, but what do you want them for? I'm going to cut off the last 10 or 15 seconds of the recording wire, the part where Jones tells Bruce he's Batman. What? Why? Because I'm going to play this recording for several people. 
And I don't think Bruce would want them to learn his double identity to you. Well, I should say not. Here are the shears. Thanks. Look, uh, who are you going to play the recording for, Mr. Kent? For the police department and for the staff at the Daily Planet. Maybe someone can help us identify Jones. Well, idea. Give me a hand with this little wire, please, Dick. We've got to work fast. Lois, Jim, you too, Beanie. Listen carefully to this recording of a conversation between Bruce Wayne and a man he calls Jones. I want you to see if you can recognize Jones's voice. All right, Dick, turn on the machine. Here goes, Mr. Kent. Listen now, all of you. That's a strange request, Mr. Jones. You said your name was? Jones is right, Mr. Wayne. But strange or not... If you and your men will listen carefully to this recording, one of you may be able to identify the mysterious Mr. Jones. Here it goes. That's a strange request, Mr. Uh, Jones, you said your name was? Jones is right, Mr. Wayne. That's strange. Well, nobody at either the police department or the Daily Planet recognized Jones's voice. No. Now, where do we go from here, Mr. Kent? Gosh, I don't know, Dick. Let me think a minute, will you? Go ahead. I'm afraid you'll have to do the thinking for both of us because I'm so upset my head just keeps going around in circles. If we only had some idea of what he wanted with Batman. And if only I could place his voice. Yeah, if... If only... Oh, say, listen, Dick. Inspector Henderson was going to have a fingerprint expert go over the study in your house. Have you heard from him yet? Not yet. Do you want me to give him a ring? No, no, no. Let's wait a little while and then we... Oh, excuse me. Clark Kent speaking. Oh, yes, Inspector. Did your fingerprint man turn up at... Oh... They didn't, eh? Uh, I was afraid of it. Yes, I'm listening. What? What did you say? Tell Mr. Kent. Say that again, Inspector. Oh, no. But that's impossible. What is it, Mr. Just Kent? Just a minute, Dick. But I can't believe it. You did, huh? You're positive? I see. All right, thanks, Inspector. Yes, you bet we will. Right. So long. What gives, Mr. Kent? Plenty, but don't stop to ask questions now, Dick. Just come with me. Where? What happened? I'm not sure, but either Inspector Henderson has gone crazy or we have. Come on. Grim-faced, Clark Kent hurries from his office, followed by the puzzled Dick Grayson. What amazing news did Kent receive from Inspector Henderson? And now, back to the adventures of Superman. As we continue now, Clark Kent and young Dick Grayson, who is really Robin arrived at the Metropolis Auditorium, where a huge throng mills around the doors, trying to push their way into the already crowded building. There, Kent flashes his press card, and followed by Dick, is ushered into the auditorium to seats in the front row, directly below the empty flag-draped stage. Will you please tell me what this is all about, Mr. Kent? Why are we here? What's going on? This, Dick, is a mass meeting which was announced only this afternoon by an organization of selfish, bigoted people who oppose sending food and other help to Europe. You mean the Marshall Plan? Yes, that and any other plan to help war-torn nations. Then what are we doing here? I don't want anything to do with a bunch of selfish mugs who don't want us to help those poor people. Neither do I, Dick. But wait. Nothing We've... doing. I want out. Oh, wait a minute. When Batman and I were in Europe, we saw people living like, like animals without anybody to care about if you'll them. you'll just listen a moment, Dick, I can No, tell you I what... won't listen. I don't want any part of this meeting. Now, look. Besides, no, I've got to find Batman. Please, wait a minute. Excuse me. Come here. Let me have Dick, come back here and sit down. I won't. Let me go. Will you sit down? Batman is going to be here. That's what Inspector Henderson said. The police department issued a permit for the meeting just before he called me. And get this. Batman is going to be the principal speaker. What? That's right. He's going to be... Are you kidding? What Batman wouldn't breathe the same air as this this rotten crowd? Oh, no. Look. Huh? 
the stage. Look who's walking out to speak. Christopher Columbus. Is Batman. His eyes bulging, Robin looks up at the tall figure in skin-tight costume, gloves, cape, and bat-like hood and mask, and recognizes his companion, Batman. Can it really be Batman who was out before the huge crowd to speak for a movement which he, Robin, Superman, and other prominent people have condemned as un-American and selfish? What can this mean? There are more surprises and thrills in tomorrow's exciting episode, fellows and girls, so be sure to listen. Tune in, same time, same station, for Chapter 3 of Batman's Great Mystery on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet... More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman. Strange visitor from the planet Krypton who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, in the guise of Clark Kent, Superman is in the Metropolis Auditorium with young Dick Grayson, who is really Robin, Batman's young companion, when a man they believed was dead appears on the stage. Look, Dick. Look who's going to speak. It's Batman. Christopher Columbus. Yes, it is Batman. All right, gang, get set now for more Superman contest winners. You may be among these, so listen carefully. Mary Ann Wedlock, Dodgeville, Wisconsin. Rudolph Finutelli, Philadelphia. David Gates, Emporia, Kansas. Rose Rubin, Providence, Rhode Island. Eula Kibble, Cincinnati. James Maxwell, Bridgeport, West Virginia. Alfred Long, Kingston, New York. Mary Revel, Richmond, Kentucky. Marie Quattro, Sacramento, California. Richard Franzozo, Portsmouth, New Hampshire. James Pullman, Fenimore, Wisconsin. Gloria Thomas, Plant City, Florida. Leonard Martin, Minneapolis. Regina Coffin, Jersey City. James Ridge, Cincinnati. Eddie Sewell, Manhattan Beach, California. James Mathis, Cold Spring, Kentucky. Marlene Wood, Mazoma. Wisconsin, Marie Samanderis, Farmington, Utah, Martha McComb, Orangeburg, South Carolina, uh, Donna Seaver, Scotts Bluff, Nebraska, Janice Cunningham, Portsmouth, New Hampshire, Frederick Townsend, New Haven, Connecticut, Kim Bingham, Denver, Marcia Estrin, Bell Harbor, Long Island, Paige Bernstein, Raleigh, North Carolina, John Handy, Bangor, Maine, Larry Warren, Cadillac, Michigan, Mickey Rogola, Kewanee, Illinois, Patricia Mack, Cleveland, Ohio, Thomas Butera, Brooklyn, New York, Gerald Mansky, 
Viroqua, Wisconsin, Mary Jo Conrad, Melrose, Massachusetts, Mary McManus, Upper Darby, Pennsylvania, Lois Dodola, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, Jack Hetfield, South Bend, Indiana, Sandra Johnson, Rock Island, Illinois, Brielle Bedoin, Lawrence, Massachusetts, Charlie Kading, Watertown, Wisconsin, Patricia Noonan, Brooklyn, New York, Camille Speranzo, Bridgeport, Connecticut, Guy McCullough, Hudson, Maine, Gail Berg, Berkeley, Illinois, Carolyn Fagg, Albany, Georgia, Billy Gioza, Detroit, David Hill, Bell Buckle, Tennessee, Richard Gleason, Phoenixville, Pennsylvania, Grafton Brand, Ellsworth, Maine, Robert Rice, Gloucester City, New Jersey, and Ruth Leenecht, Moline, Illinois. And that's all for now. More later in the program, so keep listening. And now, the adventures of Superman. Just 12 days ago, the famous Batman wakened Robin, his young companion, from sleep and told him... I'm going away, Robin. I can't tell you where or why. I hope to be back within a week. But if I'm not, well, you may never see me again. Then, when 12 days passed and Batman did not return, a very worried Robin appealed for aid to Clark Kent, who, as we know, is Superman. Searching for a clue in Batman's study, Kent discovered a recently made recording of a conversation between Batman and a mysterious Mr. Jones, a man who had somehow learned that Batman was really a wealthy young man named Bruce Wayne, and who threatened that unless Batman accompanied him to an unnamed destination, he would reveal his secret to the world. A desperate search failed to uncover any trace of Batman or the mysterious Mr. Jones. But early that evening, Police Inspector Henderson phoned Kent and Robin and told them to go to the Metropolis Auditorium. There, before a huge crowd, a tall figure wearing a skin-tight costume, cape, bat-like hood, and mask, walked out on the stage to address the gathering. Look, Mr. Kent, it's Batman. Certainly looks like him, Dick. It is him, or else I'm dreaming. You're not dreaming, son. But how could he be here, safe and sound, letting us think he might be dead? I don't know. Oh, there's something screwy going on. It must be. Can't imagine Batman addressing a selfish hey, figure in a crowd down. like this. That's Batman, all right. I am wholeheartedly in sympathy with your view. As I am convinced that the future of our great country rests in your hands. And in the hands of those others all over the United States who think the way you do. Did you hear that, Mr. Kent? He put this in love. Yes. I can't believe it, Dick. Batman told me once, he told me a hundred times that a bunch were selfish bigots. He said they were a menace to our country. They are. I can't understand this. I think... Wait, Dick. Wait, Dick. decent and humane thing to do is to help the starving people in Europe. I know. He went to Washington with me only a few months ago to say the same thing. I can't understand why... Why give us yes. bread and cotton and steel and machinery to somebody else? I ask you, why? If the Europeans want the necessities and luxuries of life, let them make them themselves. Can he say that when those their farms and factories and homes were destroying the war, and all they're asking for is our help in getting on their feet again? I think I'm beginning to see what's behind this, Dick. Yeah? What? I'll tell I'd you later. Say... We have our own troubles to worry about. So let's not bother about Europe, too. They got into a mess without our help. Now let them get out of it without our help. Jesus, my ears must be playing tricks on me, Mr. Kent. I can't believe Batman would ever say such rotten, selfish things. Neither can I. The less we have to do with foreigners, the better. So let them stew with their own juice. And now, imposing, ladies and gentlemen, let me urge you again to refuse to aid Europe. We worked hard for 
man spoke like a, a selfish bigot and a rebel rouser, Mr. Kent. Like one of the worst kind, Dick. The meeting's over. Come on. I can't believe that he... He just the same as said, let those poor people over there starve. That's what he said. But I've known Batman for years, and I know he hates narrow bigots and, and despots like this un-American crowd as much as you and I and all decent Americans hate them. Then why did he say all those awful things? Well, my hunch is that he was forced to do this. Forced? Uh-huh. What makes you think so? Remember that recording we found in Batman's study? You mean that, that fellow Jonesy? Yes. Look, Batman just went into a dressing room. Here's our chance to find out. Come on. Here he is, Dick. Batman. Hey, Batman. Oh, hello, Dick. How are you, Kent? All right, Batman. But Where have you it? been? Why did you tell me I might never see you again? Why haven't I... Oh, wait a minute, Dick. It's a long story, and I, I can't go into it now, because I've got another speaking engagement in Willow Falls. What? Gee whiz. Look, Batman, we three are all alone now, so you can drop the pose and talk straight. We heard your speech tonight, and now we oh, want to... Oh, you did, huh? How'd you like it? I thought it smelled. Really? I thought it was quite good. Oh, cut that out, Batman. We know why you made that filthy un-American speech tonight. You see, we found that recording. A recording? Well, what recording, Kent? The one you meant us to find, of course. The one you made the night you left of the conversation between you and that fellow Jones. Oh. Oh, that. We heard him say he knew you were Bruce Wayne, and if you didn't go away with him, he'd tell the whole world. That's why you made that speech tonight, wasn't it, Batman? Because Jones threatened to tell everyone you were Bruce Wayne if you didn't go along with him. Isn't that right? Well, I'm surprised I... you went along with him, no matter what it meant to you, Batman. You have a great deal of influence and prestige, you know. And a lot of people will believe your lies just because you say them. That's right. But they weren't lies. What? Huh? I told the truth. You must be out of your head. Now, listen, Batman. Either this fellow Jones has succeeded in so scaring you that you've turned into a coward, or else you... Now, wait. Get this straight. I'm either a coward or out of my mind, kid. As I said before, I've got another speaking engagement. So I'll have to ask you two to leave. Oh, no, you don't. You're not going to brush me off that easily, Batman. We've been friends for years. Oh, I'm going to find... Kent. Let me talk to you alone. But look, I Dick... know him better than you. Will you wait outside for me, please, in your car? Now, look, I'm in a hurry, Dick. I told you... I don't care, Pappy. You and I are going to have a little powwow right now. Go on, please, Mr. Kennedy. Uh, all right, Dick. I'll wait for you in my car. Okay. All right, now we're alone. Just you and me. Batman and Robin. So start talking. And now, back to the adventures of Superman. Alone in the dressing room in the Metropolis Auditorium, young Dick Grayson, who is really Robin, appeals to his tall costume companion. We've never had any secrets from each other, Batman. So come on, tell me about this trouble you're in. I'm not in any trouble, Dick. Don't give me that. You wouldn't just disappear for almost two weeks and let me worry myself sick and then make a rotten, un-American speech like like some dirty rabble-rouser unless you... Oh, watch your tongue, you brat. Huh? What did you call me? I called you a brat. Now get this through your head. I meant what I said in my speech. I, I, well, I've been seeing things differently of late. Holy smokes, Mr. Kent must be right. Either you're yellow or you're nuts. I warned you, Robin. Watch your tongue. You watch yours. You never talked to me this way before, and you're not going to start now. Skip it. I've got another speaking engagement, so I've got to go. Wait, please, don't go until we've had this out. Take your hands off. Please, Batman, you've got to listen to me. You've got to. I said let go. Oh. That'll hold you, you little punk. Time to go, Batman. Hey, what happened to the kid? He got tough, and I had to take a poke at him. Let's go, Jerry. Say, he looks as if he's hurt pretty bad. His head's cut. So what? He banged it against the radiator when he went down. He'll be okay. Come on, let's go. Without a backward glance at the fallen Robin, lies huddled on the floor unconscious. The tall figure in the famous Batman costume strides from the dressing room with the man he calls Jerry. 
How can this brutal scene have taken place between Batman and Robin, inseparable as brothers? What can it possibly mean? The mystery deepens even more tomorrow, fellows and girls, when more amazing things happen and Superman decides it is time for him to go into action. So be sure to tune in tomorrow, same time, same station, for Chapter 4 of Batman's Great Mystery on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silverageheroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. It's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to work with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, as Superman enters a small dressing room in the Metropolis Auditorium where he had left Batman and Robin, he meets with a stunning shock. Great Scott, that's Robin on the floor. Robin, Robin, what happened? Oh, he's unconscious. I'd better get him to a doctor and fast. Up with him. There we are. Now, up and away! All right, gang, get set now for more Superman contest winners. You may be among these, so listen carefully. 
Rosemary D'Angelo, Pittsfield, Massachusetts, Thelma Parker, St. Mary's, Georgia, Edward Kennedy, Shreveport, Louisiana, James Miller, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Jack McElvain, Alexandria, Virginia, Nancy Cowles, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, David Brazier, Deer Park, Ohio, Catherine Schlemmer, Whittier, California, Billy Whitney, College Place, Washington, Mickey McConville, Minneapolis, John Biggerstaff, Mahoningtown, Pennsylvania, Teresa LaBorge, Witherton, New York, Anne McManus, Cambridge, Massachusetts, Malcolm Friedman, Corvallis, Oregon, Bucky Zeitler, LaFaria, Texas, Janet Baker, Sharon, Oklahoma, Michael Chewy, Harvey's Lake, Pennsylvania, Merlene Lawless, Grants Pass, Oregon, Dick Luce-Brink, San Diego, California, Gladys Althoff, Powell, Wyoming, Kara McMahon, Lewiston, Idaho, Joan DeFore, Washington, D.C., Muriel Harrison, Fort McCoy, Florida, Geraldine Poison, Freewater, Oregon, Ruth Horton, Livermore, California, Howard O'Connell, Wilson, North Carolina, Doris Pierce, Norfolk, Virginia, Betsy Brown, Kearney, New Jersey, Bob Verdi, North Carrollton, New York, Margian Bremer, Parker's Prairie, Minnesota, Daryl Carroll, Logan, Utah, Colleen L.A., Adiza, Iowa, Linda Campbell, Dallas, Texas, Jim Roach, Terre Haute, Caroline Root, Nottingham, Pennsylvania, Jimmy Oster, University Heights, Ohio, Bruce Kershaw, Fall River, Massachusetts, Roger Nauf, Oradell, New Jersey, George W. Collins, Corvallis, Oregon, John Wright, Philadelphia, Robert Snyder, Staunton, Virginia, Marie Ciolino, San Francisco, Rosemarie Pergliesi, Brooklyn, New York, Donald Barron, Nanticoke, Pennsylvania, Susan Spinner, Seattle, Washington, Ethel Colco, San Luis Obispo, California, Shirley Wynn, Basin, Wyoming, Donald DeBoe, Billings, Montana, Lester Weiner, Dorchester, Massachusetts, and Arthur Leslie, Camden, New Jersey. That's all for now. More later in the program, so keep listening. And now, the adventures of Superman. After telling Robin, his young companion, that he might never see him again, the famous Batman disappeared. Then, 12 days later, while Robin and Superman hunted desperately for him, Batman apparently reappeared without notifying his friends and delivered a rabble-rousing un-American speech in Metropolis Auditorium. Unable to believe their ears, Superman and Robin, in their guises of Clark Kent and Dick Grayson, respectively, hurried to Batman's dressing room after the speech. But when they were given a cold reception, Robin asked Kent to leave, then appealed to Batman to explain his amazing behavior. To his utter bewilderment, the man he considered his dearest friend turned on him viciously. And when Kent returned a short time later, he found Batman gone and Dick lying on the floor, unconscious. As Superman, Kent rushed Dick to the office of a nearby doctor, where the boy was treated for a scalp wound. Now, a little while later, Robin is again alone with Kent, heartbroken, close to tears. He hit me, Mr. Kent. Batman hit me. He called me a brat, and then he slugged me. He never did anything like that before, never. I know, Dick. He never even lost his temper with me before. I, I can't understand it, Mr. Kent. I just can't understand can't understand that any more than I can understand Batman's making that rabble-rousing, un-American speech at the auditorium. Why, if I hadn't heard him myself, I never would have believed it. Oh, look, Mr. Kent, do you suppose that fellow Jones, the man we heard on the recording with Batman, do you think he's making him act this way? Could be, Dick. Could be. But the Batman I knew would have knocked Jones down regardless of what it meant to him before he would make such a selfish, bigoted, un-American speech. Yeah, I guess he would. Then why is he acting this way? Well, offhand, I can think of only two reasons, Dick, such as... First, it's just possible that Batman doesn't know what he's doing because he's sick. Mentally sick as a result of something fed or injected into him by the mysterious Mr. Jones. But he didn't seem sick. His eyes were clear, and his voice, his movements, they were just the same as always. Yes, but his thoughts and his actions were entirely different from what they always were. No, Dick, I still say Batman is either sick or else... Or else what? Well, that's something I'd rather not talk about yet, it... It seems too utterly fantastic. Oh, come on, Mr. Kent. Tell me, please. No, I'd rather check my theory first. Look, uh, Batman said he had another speaking engagement tonight in Willow Falls, didn't he? Uh-huh. All right, I'm going up to Willow Falls, and before this night is over, I'm going to find out if Batman is sick or... 
Well, the other thing. Swell, I'll go with no, you. No, no, Dick. You're still a little groggy. Oh, no, no. I'm okay now. Honest. I want to go, Mr. Kent. I'd rather you didn't, Dick. I want to talk to Batman alone. Oh, well, okay. Good fellow. Now, get your coat on. I'll take you over to Jim Olson's house. Jim Olson's? Mm-hmm. What for? Because if my second theory is right, you may be in danger. So I'd rather you were someplace else than your home until I get back. Oh, don't worry about me. I can take care of myself. Well... Besides, until I know what gives with Batman, I want to be at home in case he calls and needs me. Well, that's the way you want it, I'll right, I'll run you home, then I'll hop up to Willow Falls and have it out with Batman. Come on, let's go. After seeing Robin safely to his home, Clark Kent secretly resumes his true identity. Then, as Superman, he streaks 30 miles north to the bustling town of Willow Falls. There, after again assuming his disguise of mild-mannered, bespectacled Clark Kent, he approaches the Willow Falls Opera House. Crowds are filing into the building, outside of which is a life-sized lithograph of Batman in costume, and a huge sign which reads, Batman speaks here tonight. Making his way to the stage entrance, Kent speaks with the doorman. My name is Clark Kent. I'm a reporter for the Metropolis Daily Planet. I'd, I'd like to uh, interview Batman. Oh, he ain't here yet. You sure? It's 8.45, and I noticed he's scheduled to speak at 9 o'clock. I know, but he phoned in a little while ago to say he'd be late. He did, eh? Yeah, he's driving up from Metropolis, but he said he had some trouble with his car. Expects to be here about 9.30, thereabouts. I see. Uh, do you mind if I come in and wait for him? No, I don't mind. Come on in. Thanks. As Kent enters the opera house at Willow Falls to wait for Batman, Robin in his house in Metropolis tries to concentrate on a book. But restless and worried, he soon tosses it away and turns on the radio. A moment later, he snaps that off takes to pacing the floor. Then, when the phone rings, he fairly leaps across the room to answer it. Hello? Are you, Robin? Yes, uh, Batman. Jake, Where are you, Batman? What's happened to you? I'm so worried, I'm going nuts. Take it easy, Robin. I can explain everything. Oh, we'll start explaining. Mr. Ken thinks you're sick in the head, but I know it can't be that. <laughs> Ken thinks I'm sick, huh? Yeah, he went up to Willow Falls to see you. Is that where you are now? No, I'm in Metropolis. You are? Well, come on home right now. We can get this all straightened out. Why not? Because I'm on a big job. But big. Job? For the police department? Bigger than that. The government? I, I can't tell you any more over the phone. Listen, can't you use a hand on this job? Can't I help? Yes. That's the reason I called. I need you, chum. Oh, now you're talking our language. Just say where and when, Pappy. You know where the old river hotel is? The river hotel? It seems to me I remember it. Uh, an old dump down on the waterfront? That's it. I'm there now. Room 314. 314. Check. Now get this. I'm listening. This strictly on QT. Don't tell Kent or even Alfred that I call. Or where are you going? Understand? I'll make like a clam, Patty. Good. Get on your horse then, Robert. And get set for a big surprise. Now hurry. What is the big surprise that has just been promised to the now happy Robin? And now, back to the adventures of Superman. <laughs> Dressed as Dick Grayson, Robin has just arrived at the River Hotel, an ancient, decaying, evil-smelling structure situated in an area on the waterfront where many of the shady element of the city congregate. In the small, paint-peeled lobby, furnished with a few sagging horsehair chairs, two furtive-eyed men glance sharply at Robin, then quickly look away. And the sleepy, bleary-eyed clerk at the switchboard seems to take no notice of the youngster. He walks swiftly to the rickety, uncarpeted stairs and takes them two at a time. On the third and top floor where a single small electric bulb only seems to make the shadows deeper. Robin reads the numbers with difficulty on the cheap scarred doors. 
Finally, he finds room 314, the number Batman had given him at the end of the hall. He stops and knocks on the door. Hiya, Batman. What the... Stepping into the room, Robin stops short as he sees a bald, heavy-set, unshaven man sitting in a chair facing the door. In his hand, the man holds a revolver, which he points at Robin. Another man, very tall and thin, in shirt sleeves, lounges alongside the door. There is no one else in the room. Then, as Robin starts to step backward, the heavy-set man in the chair calls out. Stay right where you are, sonny boy. Close the door, Lou. What's the idea? Where's Batman? <laughs> you want to know where Batman is, huh? Yeah, what's so funny? Where is he? What goes on here? You'll find out, sonny boy. You'll find out. But you ain't gonna like it. <laughs> no, you ain't gonna like it at all. What does this mean? Was Robin deliberately led into an ambush by Batman? It hardly seems possible. But then other things Batman has done since his strange reappearance have hardly seemed possible, too. What will happen now to Robin as Superman, 30 miles away in Willow Falls, is unaware of this latest and serious development? There's more excitement and baffling mystery in Monday's thrilling episode, gang, much more. So be sure to listen. Don't fail to tune in again Monday, same time, same station, for Chapter 5 of Batman's Great Mystery on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at this same time. Behold my process. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here. Uh It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot on surprises delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Yeehoo! To the Loot Crate video box. What's with kids today, huh? Wowzers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, those are boxes just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! It's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. 
with Superman unaware of his predicament, young Dick Grayson, otherwise known as Robin, responds to a summons from Batman and enters a room of a shabby hotel where he finds two men waiting for him with guns. Come right in, sonny boy. Keep your hands up. Close the door, Lou. Batman promised you a surprise, didn't he? <laughs> well, this is it, kid. But I don't think you're going to like it. All right, gang, get set now for more Superman contest winners. You may be among these, so listen carefully. Jack Flippo, Neosha, Missouri. Buddy Struble, Waterloo, New York. Constance Haley, Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina. Ira Kelly, Los Angeles, California. Enrico Gasparini, Newark, New Jersey. Carrie Stewart, Vicksburg, Mississippi. James Orison, Brooklyn, New York. Carolyn Peterson, Chicago, Illinois. Peter Stevens, Branford, Connecticut. Carolyn Kerr, Miami, Florida. Arby Blockman, Georgiana, Alabama. John Worcester, Chicago, Illinois. A. Megram, Ridgewood, New Jersey. Nell Stegall, Monroe, North Carolina. David Cook, Brooklyn, New York. Evelyn Kmet, Chicago, Illinois. Esther Thomas. Talladega, Alabama, Joanne Loveday, Guilford, Connecticut, Harvey Nam, Brooklyn, New York, James Kirby, Abilene, Kansas, John Weber, Rochester, New York, James Seif, Freud, Pennsylvania, Doyle Gill, Pine Bluff, Arkansas, Sam Pestosa, Chicago, Illinois, Leo Newbauer, Blaine Washington, Carol Woods, Bayside, New York, Arvin Henley of Fairview, Montana, Joseph Sizlow, Jersey City, New Jersey, Larry Josie, Laurel, Mississippi, Sylvia Meltzer, Brooklyn, New York, Claudia Hodge, New Bern, North Carolina, Spurgeon, Kirkwood, Missouri, Joanne Tonanen of Chicago, Illinois, Stella Gallant, Billings, Montana, Ronald Stokes, Bridgeport, Connecticut, Glenn Jovey, Ron Lake, Illinois, M. Goldberg, Bronx, New York, Francis Billis, Brown City, Michigan, Alan Levack, Cleveland, Ohio, Charles Wimmer, Cottonwood, California, Mark Shefferman of Freeport, New York, Tom Bogdanovich, Joplin, Missouri, Garrett Durr, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Dwayne Cowstruis, Fremont, Nebraska, Marion Brown, San Francisco, California, Gloria Wilson, Dearborn, Michigan, Leslie Hightrue, Concord, New Hampshire, Betty Seifers, Nettleton, Arkansas, Judith Stone, Lawrence, Massachusetts, and Robert Zako from way out in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And that's all for now. More later in the program. So keep listening. And now, the adventures of Superman. After disappearing mysteriously for almost two weeks, the famous Batman apparently reappeared in the Metropolis Auditorium and delivered a rabble-rousing, un-American speech. Then, confronted by Robin, his young companion, Batman struck the bewildered youngster, knocking him out. A short time later, Robin, having been brought home by Superman, received a telephone call, apparently from Batman, who told him to come alone to a shady hotel on the waterfront where he would explain his strange actions. And when Robin arrived there, he walked into an ambush. Meanwhile, unaware of this latest development, Superman, disguised as reporter Clark Kent, was at the Opera House in Willow Falls, 30 miles away, where Batman was delivering another speech. As he left the stage and walked into the wings, followed by the applause of the crowd, Kent stepped forward to meet him. Just a minute, Batman. Kent, what are you doing? I want to talk to you. Yeah? What about? Robin and other things. Look, I haven't time to discuss this. You had to take time. You and Robin have been as close as brothers. Practically brought him up. Well... What are you getting at? A few hours ago at the Metropolis Auditorium, you struck him and knocked him out. So what, little punk ass? It's not like you, Batman. You never slugged Robin before or talked like this about him. What's more, you never made rabble-rousing un-American speeches before. Something very fishy going on, and I intend to find out what it is. Look, and I don't intend to stand here and argue. I told you I'm expecting some phone calls at my hotel. Good night. No, you don't, Batman. You're going to stay right here until we straighten this out. Take your hands off me, Kent. Or what? You try to slug me, too? Yes, I might forget myself and do just that. That wouldn't be smart, but considering who I am... If you think I'm afraid of you just because you're a reporter for a big newspaper, you're crazy. Well, I didn't mean that, because I'm a reporter. What do you mean, then? Don't you know? No. I don't know what you're talking about, and I don't care. I'm going to the Willow Falls Hotel. Wait a minute. 
steel fingers locked on the bat-like costumed man's arm. Kent holds him fast. There is a strange expression in his eyes as he gazes into the masked face before him. Then he hears his own voice, the voice of Superman, talking to him. Batman is the only man in the world who knows that I, Superman, am Clark Kent. But this man doesn't know it. Say, what's the matter with you? So I was right. What do you mean? Take your hands off me, Kent. First, I thought you were acting this way because you were afraid of Jones, the man who said he knew Batman's real identity. But now I think I've got this situation figured out. You amuse me, Kent. Keep on talking. Later. Go on to your hotel. I'll be seeing you again very soon. It's dark enough in this alley, I guess. So, out of these clothes. I need Inspector Henderson's help in a hurry. I can get back to Metropolis in two shakes as Superman. There we are. All set now. Up and away! I tell you, Inspector, I know what I'm talking about. Either Batman is mentally ill, Jones may have done something to him to affect his mind, or else that man in the costume is not Batman. Not Batman? Well, that's ridiculous, Kent. I know it sounds fantastic, Inspector, because this fellow certainly looks and talks exactly like Batman. But, well, I, I put him to a test. Yeah, what kind of a test? There's a, a certain secret which only Batman and I know. Yeah? That masked man doesn't know it. Mm. What is the secret? I can't tell you, but take my word for it, Inspector. The real Batman couldn't possibly forget it. That is, unless he was mentally ill. I see. Look, you have a record of Batman's fingerprints, haven't you? Certainly, certainly. Fine. Now, this guy who says he's Batman is staying at the Wolf Falls Hotel tonight. That's only 30 miles away. Mm -hmm. So why don't you find some excuse for walking in on him and then picking up a sample of his fingerprints? You can check them with the prints in your file. Well, I suppose I could do that. Do it, Inspector. If the prints match, we'll know he's the real Batman, but he's mentally sick. They don't match. Oh, but it all seems so ridiculous, Kent. No, but... How could a phony, clever as he may be, do such a perfect job of impersonation that could fool even Robin? I don't know. I've heard that everyone in the world is supposed to have a double somewhere. Yeah, I've heard that too, but you Well, this fellow could look enough like Batman, actually, not to leave much fixing. Mm -hmm. And he could be trained to imitate his voice, his manners, and so forth. But uh, who would go to all that trouble, and why? Fanatics. And we're dealing with a bunch of isolationist fanatics here. Fanatics will go to any amount of trouble to gain their selfish ends. And then there's another thing. What's that? Uh, Batman is a very rich man. If he were out of the way, an impersonator could make off with a fortune. Uh-huh. Yeah, that makes sense. No, maybe you've got something, Kent. Go through with a fingerprint test, Inspector. Well, I can only do it on one condition, Kent. What's that? That someone closely connected with Batman, in this case, Robin, makes an official complaint, including a statement of his belief that the real Batman has met with foul play and is now being impersonated. Okay, Robin will do that. Come on, Inspector, we'll go out to his house right now. Robin, Alfred. I don't know, Mr. Kemp, sir. He left about an hour ago after receiving a phone call. In a jolly hurry he was, too. I don't like that. Uh, where did he go, Alfred? All he would tell me, Inspector, is that he was going to meet a man on the waterfront somewhere. On the waterfront? Yes, sir. And the way he was gaily chirping and singing, I'm rather sure it was Batman who called him. Batman? Did he say that? No, sir, he wouldn't say, sir. But when I asked him if it was Batman he was going to meet, he simply winked and said, mustn't talk, Alfred, but everything's all right again now. Oh, that's funny. Batman is supposed to be in Willow Falls. Willow Falls? Yes. Say, that's right, Kent. Why should he tell Robin to meet him on the waterfront? He wouldn't. Unless... Unless what? Unless he is a phony, as I suspect. Look, Inspector, you better get your men down to the waterfront and look for Robin. Right. I'm going back up to Willow Falls to shake the truth out of that man who calls himself Batman. So long. Racing outside the house, Clark Kent pauses behind the dark and swiftly resumes his true identity of Superman. Up! Up! And away! Thank <laughs> you.
starry sky and streaks northward, bound for Willow Falls and a shocking surprise. And now, back to the adventures of Superman. After streaking to Willow Falls, Superman has secretly resumed his disguise of Clark Kent, mild-mannered and bespectacled reporter. And as we join him now, he is speaking to the clerk in the Willow Falls Hotel. What room is Batman in, please? Uh, Batman is not there, sir. He, uh, he checked out. Checked out? When? Oh, about a half hour ago, I'd say. Where did he go, do you know? Uh, no, sir, I don't know. As a matter of fact, I did ask him. You see, I wasn't able to hear him speak tonight, and since I'm off duty tomorrow, I was hoping I might hear him, if he was speaking uh, somewhere nearby. Well, what did he say? He said he'd been called away on important business, and I, well, he wouldn't be making any more speeches for a while. Did he leave a forwarding address? Uh, no, sir. No, sir, he didn't. Clark Kent, who is Superman, stands in the small hotel lobby and feels utterly helpless as the true state of affairs becomes crystal clear in his mind. Of course. I might have known this would happen. He is a phony. Now he's gotten rid of Robin and gone into hiding. Now what will I do? How can I find him? Is Superman right in believing that the man who reappeared in Metropolis yesterday is not the real Batman, but a clever and villainous impersonator? If so, what has happened to the real Batman and to Robin? We'll learn the answers to some of these questions in tomorrow's spine-tingling episode, fellows and girls. So be sure to listen. Tune in same time, same station for Chapter 6 of Batman's Great Mystery on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics magazine and is brought to Monday through Friday. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman. Strange visitor from the planet Krypton who came to Earth with a physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, Superman and his guides of Clark Kent drops a figurative bombshell into the lap of editor Perry White, mayor of Metropolis, when he says... I'm sure I know the answer to this Batman mystery now, Chief. You do? Yes. I'm convinced that the man we thought was Batman and who's been making un-American speeches the last few days is not Batman at all. Not Batman? I mean he's an impersonator. A fake. All right, gang, get set now for more Superman contest winners. You may be among these, so listen carefully. Ronald Oliver, Oakland, California. Josephine Fontanazzi of Clinton, New Jersey. Gerald Singer, Chelsea, Massachusetts. John Grieco, Norwalk, Connecticut. Richard Feast, Silver Spring, Maryland. Donald Williams, Lawton, Virginia. Patsy Cuzzy, Highbridge, Wisconsin. Richard Tomasulo, Norwalk, Connecticut. Charles Kendall, Maysville, Kentucky. Ralph Blindsteiber, Highbridge, Wisconsin. Judith Mincinello, Boston, Massachusetts. 
Dwayne Nils, Dubuque, Iowa. Rodney Cox, Silver Spring, Maryland. Mary Williams, Norfolk, Virginia. Dominic Capato, Brooklyn, New York. Joseph Giovanetti of Carlsbad, New Jersey. George Davison, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Thomas Clemens, Dubuque, Iowa. Richard Wilde, Lake Stevens, Washington. Francis O'Mara, Tilton, New Hampshire. Mickey Carollo, New Brunswick, New Jersey. Zelda Lafrak, San Francisco, California. Cynthia Nolte of Rochester, New York. Ronald Morgan of Canton, Ohio. Thomas Space of Dubuque, Iowa. Howard Lurie, New Haven, Connecticut. Linda Stevens, Canton, Ohio. Denny Constantine of Augusta, Maine. Larry Walker, New York City. Davy Hedges of Danbury, Connecticut. Maynard Perry of Memphis, Tennessee. Robert Winter, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Claire Fish, New Haven, Connecticut. Robert Shadle, Davenport, Iowa. Vernon Moore, Augusta, Maine. Mike Matthews, Appleton, Wisconsin. Kathy Lehman, Bridgeport, Connecticut. Janice Kolofsky of Chicago, Illinois. Mary Marcel, Passiac, New Jersey. Florence Lepke, Echo, Minnesota. Diana Steinfest, Appleton, Wisconsin. Harriet Berger, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Mickey Bloom, Cape May, New Jersey. Tom Murtaugh, Chicago, Illinois. Sigmund Milbrandt, Washington, D.C. Marilyn Nutner, San Francisco, California. Stephen Ivana, West Haven, Connecticut. Lucille De Marino, East Boston, Massachusetts. Sarah Stewart, Coleman, Texas. And Robert Hall of Chicago, Illinois. That's all for now. More later in the program. So keep listening. And now, the adventures of Superman. Superman's two great friends, Batman and Robin, are involved in a strange and baffling mystery. Twice the famous Batman has disappeared. And now, Robin, too, has disappeared. And Superman believes the youngster was led into an ambush by Batman's impersonator. In his guise of reporter Clark Kent, Superman has concocted a spectacular plan. And as we join him now, he is seeking the cooperation of Perry White, his former editor on the Daily Planet, and now mayor of Metropolis. See, Chief, I'm certain the real Batman has either been killed or is being held prisoner somewhere while this phony goes around pretending to be Batman and falsely drumming up public opinion against A.D. Oh, nonsense. I don't care how clever he is. He couldn't fool Robin. Oh? Why, those two are closer than, uh, than two peas in a pod. I know, Chief, but still he fooled him. He even fooled me. You? <laughs> that doesn't prove anything. That's what you think. Well, how about this? Do you think the real Batman would slug Robin, knock him unconscious, and leave him lying on the floor and walk out? Well, I'll admit that's hard to understand. And would the but... real Batman make public speeches saying, let the hungry children in Europe starve? No, 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 no. Of course not. Well, no decent person would or could. But something may have happened to him, Kent. He, well, he may be sick. That's what I thought until Robin disappeared last night. Uh, just a minute. Hello? Oh, yes, Inspector. Any word of Robin? Uh, nothing, eh? Uh. Uh-oh. Look, Chief, ask him if he's uh, got... Yes, he's here. Uh, just a minute. Uh, Henderson wants to talk to you, Kent. Oh, okay. Hello, Inspector. Did you fi- Yes? Yes? There weren't, huh? Well, that proves it, then. Proves what? Just a minute, Chief. Well, maybe not positively, but negatively. Right, I'll see you later, Inspector. Thanks for calling. So long. What are you talking about, Kent? Henderson's men checked the real Batman's fingerprints, which they have in their files, with all the prints they could find in a hotel room occupied in Willow Falls last night by the man who calls himself Batman. Yes? Did they check? No. That definitely proves this fellow is an imposter, just as I said. Not necessarily. Batman may not have left any fingerprints in the hotel room. The prints may have been someone else's. Well, I'll admit the fingerprint test may not be conclusive, but it's good enough for me, plus all the other evidence we have. Now, will you back me up in this plan to find Robin and the real Batman, or won't you? No, wait a minute. What plan? You remember that recording I found in Batman's study? A recording of a conversation between Batman and a man who called himself Jones? Yes. What about it? Well, I'm convinced that Jones is responsible for Batman's disappearance. And I... Why? Because Jones had a hold on Batman. I can't tell you what it is, except it was a secret Batman didn't want revealed. And I'm sure Jones used his knowledge to make Batman go away with him. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, that could be. Go on. Well, I've heard this Jones' voice somewhere. I can't remember where, but I'm certain he's rather well-known. Likely under a different name. 
So? So I want to have duplicates made of the recording and play it over the Daily Planet radio station and on other stations all over the country. Then I want to offer a big prize, say $10,000, to the person who can identify Joan. $10,000? I, I know that's a lot of money, Chief, but we need a big prize to get everyone listening. And it'll be well worth it if we find Batman and Robin. Well, that's the wildest notion even you ever came up with, Kent. Oh, Chief, but look, it I... just might work. It will. Also, it'll be a terrific news story for the planet. So go ahead. Hop to it. Now you're talking, Chief. I'll get working on it at once. As Clark Kent hurries to set his plan in motion to identify the mysterious Mr. Jones, the real Batman and Robin, united once more, are prisoners in a stout, square old building far upstate in the midst of lonely farmland, which had once been a prisoner of war barracks in the days of the Revolution. Heavy, rusted leg shackles are fastened around the ankles of the dynamic duo and forged to stout iron staples in the wall beams allowing them freedom of movement only for a foot or two in each direction. Oh, gee, Batman, I sure was stupid enough to realize that the guy who's posing as you was a pony. Oh, I let him lead me into that ambush at the river hotel like a little lamb going to slaughter. Oh, don't blame yourself, Robin. That guy and Mr. Jones are very clever. I should have known you wouldn't slug me, though, or make un-American speeches. Say. What? I'll bet that's what Mr. Kent meant. Kent? Uh-huh. He said something fishy was going on, that either you were sick in the head or there was another explanation, which he was going to check. Now, I'm sure he guessed the truth. Could be. Ken's pretty smart. But I'm afraid he gets too late. Maybe not. I'll bet he and Inspector Henderson will stay on the phony Batman's trail until he leads them right here to us. He'll never leave them here. Why not? You said the phony's working for Jones, didn't you? So he's pretty sure to show up here sometime. Yes, but he's already showed up here, Robert. And he wasn't tailed. No kidding. When? A couple of hours ago. While you were still under the chloroform they used on you. Oh. And if Kent and Henderson had been on his trail, we'd be out of these chains by now. Yeah, I guess we would. Gosh, Batman, I don't get this. What's behind it? It's simple, Robin. You see, Jones is a rotten fanatic who believes in keeping everything home and letting Europe starve. And he's using the phony Batman to drum up public opinion against our helping anybody, anywhere. I know that, but why is he keeping us here? What does he intend to do to us? Well, I think we'll find out as soon as Mr. Jones gets back. He's been away all night. I see. Look, who's the guy who calls himself Batman? Do you know? No, except that his real name is Ed. Ed what? I don't know, but he's getting scared. I heard him tell the others of the gang he's got to see Jones at once. He... Wait a minute. What gives? Jones just came in. How do you know? I'd know his voice a mile away by now. I'll bet. He's in the next room with the phony Batman. Come on. Move up close to the wall. All right. Do you think... Get quiet. Don't breathe. Just listen hard. Maybe we can find out what Jones has on the fire for us now. Raining at the end of their shackles, Batman and Robin press close against the wall. On the other side of which is the mysterious Mr. Jones and the false Batman. What will they hear? And now, back to the adventures of Superman. In the ancient revolutionary prison barracks, Batman and Robin, heavy chain shackles on their ankles, are pressing their ears against a thin crack in the wall, beyond which is the mysterious Mr. Jones and the man who has been impersonating Batman. Quiet now, Robin. Don't say a word. I won't breathe, Batman. Listen. There's not a thing to worry about here. Mr. Jones, huh? Yes. What? Not a thing. Oh, well, I... That's what you think, but I don't. Tell your clock and his wife. Sure. I just like you, Matt. He's not even in the air. He won't be able to prove the day. How can you be doing? Taking more matters. Now, one thing. You're not going to make any more changes. Or even the receipts. Or what? No? Why? Because your teachers have already repeated what they think Batman said about letting Europe starve. But he helped our cause tremendously, you know. What a filthy... So now, you're going to lie low, except... Wait, what about the real Batman and Robin? We're playing with dynamite. The police all over the country 
looking for rocks. And if Kent pops off that I'm a phony, I think he does. does. Leave everything to me, Ed, and don't worry about Batman and Robin. They won't be with us much longer. Uh-oh. You mean you're going to get rid of them? Yes. Tonight. <laughs> Why wait till tonight? Why not? Now, because there's something they have to do for us first. Oh, what's that? Batman and Robin are going to play an eight card for our cause, Ed. At the same time, put us on easy feet for the rest of our lives. <laughs> what do you mean, Batman? Don't know, Robin. And but it sounds bad. After that, tonight, they'll die. Helpless, their hearts beating hard, Batman and Robin hear themselves condemned to death. What is the ace card which the mysterious Mr. Jones says Batman and Robin will play for him before they are eliminated? What of Clark Kent's plan to locate his friends by trying to identify Jones's voice? Will that bring results in the brief space of the day that remains? Tomorrow's episode is tense and exciting, fellows and girls, so be sure to listen. Tune in, same time, same station, for Chapter 7 of Batman's Great Mystery on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at this time. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, as Superman searches for them, the mysterious Mr. Jones reveals ominous plans for his prisoners, the famous Batman and Robin. Batman and Robin are going to play an ace card for our cause, Ed. And they're also going to put us on easy street for the rest of our lives. Yeah. <laughs> when? Today, Ed. Today. Then, tonight, when we no longer need them, Batman and Robin will die. All right, gang. Get set now for more Superman contest winners. You may be among these, so listen carefully. Elaine Edinburgh, Philadelphia, Velma Bristow, Topeka, Kansas, Carol Childers, Louisville, Kentucky, Mario Denuncio, Woonsocket, Rhode Island, Chris Von Grand, Scarsdale, New York, D. Afgood, Idaho Falls, Idaho, Kenneth Kaminsky, Patterson, New Jersey, Gerald Hanner, Bloomington, Illinois, John Morgan, Helena, Kansas, Carolyn Flinsky, Beverly, Kansas, Angelina Isterante, Brooklyn, New York, Edwin Binner, Keyport, New Jersey, Charles Clay, Woodmere, Long Island, Roberta Trowbridge, Leavenworth, Kansas, John O'Brien, Albany, New York, David Duran, Clifton, New Jersey, Richard Moore, Manchester, New Hampshire, Edward Baker, Brooklyn, New York, Julia Statchwaugh, Chicago, Billy Francis, Crookston, Minnesota, Warren Gay, Topeka, Kansas, Roberta Jerry, Omaha, Nebraska, Nancy Cahill, Dubuque, Iowa, James Blackwell, Williamson, West Virginia, Ann Painter, Baltimore, Maryland. Eleanor Henderson, Coatesville, Pennsylvania, Robert Shader, Bayonne, New Jersey, Alan Pratt, Glen Cove, Long Island. 
Gene Woodhull, Coatesville, Pennsylvania. Donald Green, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Charles Stanfield, Omaha, Nebraska. David Hollenbeck, Kate Vinson, New York. Ray Williamson, Sabrayton, West Virginia. Sharon Larson, Stokey, Illinois. Carol Wright, Minneapolis. Anne Fernandez, New Egypt, New Jersey. Richard Stevens, Portland, Oregon. Danny Kuntz, Wichita, Kansas. Mary Ann Schmid, Union City, New Jersey. Paul Keenel, Freewater, Oregon. Richard Donahue, Brookline, Massachusetts. Billy Sharp, Leavenworth, Kansas. Marlene Scorris, Folsom, California. Mickey Shelton, Alexandria, Virginia. Paul Toskowski, Salem, Massachusetts. Phyllis Dyer, Abilene, Kansas. Peter Barajia, Barlington, New Jersey. Claire Relling, Chicago, Illinois. Dorothy Jores, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And Jackie Mayer, Covington, Kentucky. Well, that's all for now, gang. More later in the program. So be sure to keep listening. And now, the adventures of Superman. Having somehow learned that the famous Batman and Bruce Wayne were one and the same person, a man calling himself Jones persuaded Batman to go away with him under the threat of revealing his secret. Two weeks later, an impersonator wearing Batman's costume appeared in Metropolis. The imposter looked and spoke so much like Batman that even Robin and Clark Kent, who is Superman, were fooled. And after appearing at two huge mass meetings where he made rabble-rousing un-American speeches, the impersonator led Robin into an ambush then disappeared. While Superman, who by that time knew the truth, perfected a plan to locate his missing friends, Batman and Robin were reunited far upstate in an old prison barracks dating back to revolutionary days. There, as prisoners of the mysterious Mr. Jones, they were shackled by heavy chains around their ankles to iron staples embedded in the beams. As we join them now, they are pressing their ears against a thin crack in the wall, through which they have just overheard a conversation between Jones and a man he calls Ed, Batman's impersonator. Holy smokes, Batman. Jones said he's going to ring down the curtain on us tonight. Yes, I heard him, Robin. What are we going to do? Just wait here like mice? Got any good suggestions? Not even a bad... Look, what are you... Oh, comes Jones now. They're in here, then. Yep, here they come. Listen, Robin. If they come close enough for us to get our hands on them... I get it, Pat. Good morning, gentlemen. I hope you're quite comfortable. I never felt better, Mr. Jones. Oh, we're crazy about your hotel, Jonesy. Especially the sleeping accommodation. Nothing like a good hard floor to keep a fellow feeling fit, I always say. <laughs> I'm glad you haven't lost your sense of humor, Robin. Don't go any closer, Ed. These chaps might forget their manners. Oh, come on. You needn't be shy. Yeah, step right up and shake our hands. Smart little punk, aren't you? Oh, boy, come just a bit closer and repeat that, bud, please. Stay where you are, Ed. If you think I'm afraid of these guys... Get that man. back, Ed, you fool. Ah. I missed you. Oh, tough luck, Jim. From here in, Ed, I'd suggest you forget your stupid bravado and do as you're told or you'll regret it. You can say that again. Oh, let's get down to business. Batman, I want you to do me a favor. Really? This ought to be good. Yeah, I can't wait to hear it. I'll spill it, John. It's really quite simple, Batman. I just want you to tell me in which banks or vaults you have your safe deposit boxes. And I want you to give me the numbers of your boxes. That's all, huh? Are you kidding? I figure you must have the bulk of your wealth in securities, bonds and stocks and so on in your safety deposit box. Since it was never possible for Ed or myself to follow you into bank vaults, we couldn't learn just where your safety deposit boxes are or their numbers. And Ed must have that information so as not to arouse the suspicion of the vault guard. You understand? Sure, sure, I understand, all right. But if you think I'm going to give you any of that information, you're crazy. That's how. Maybe this will help you to see things my way, Batman. Uh-oh. Put that gun down, Jones. Don't be ridiculous. This revolver is pointed at Robin. And at this distance, I can't possibly miss him. Now, do you tell me what I want to know, Batman, or do I fire? Now, wait. He's bluffing, Batman. You should realize by now that I don't bluff. Now, I'll come to three. If by the time I reach three, you still haven't talked Batman, it'll be the end of Robin. 
One. Don't tell him, Batman. Two. He's going to finish us anyway. Wait, I'll tell you. No. I thought you would. No, don't, Batman. Don't talk. You know he's going to finish us anyhow. You heard him say so. I, I can't stand here and watch him shoot you, Robin. Of course not. Now, tell me, please. All right. All right, here it is. Just come from the Daily Planet radio station, Lois. It's all set. What's all set, Clark? The broadcast of the recording of Mr. Jones's voice. You know, the one I found in Batman's oh, study? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. The station has agreed to run it? That's right. They'll broadcast it once every hour with the announcement that anyone who identifies the voice will be paid $10,000. $10,000? Yep. But why, Clark? Well, as I told you the other day, I'm sure this man Jones is responsible for Batman and Robin's disappearance. And I'm also sure that Jones isn't his right name. But how can you be sure? Because I've heard his voice before. Somewhere, Lois. In public, I think. Didn't belong to anybody named Jones. I see, but but how can I you... I figure somebody who will hear the recording of his voice will be able to identify him. With a chance to win $10,000, practically everyone within reach of the planet wavelength will listen. Well, we hope. But we're only a local station, Clark. Suppose Jones, or whatever his name is, hangs out, we'll say, a thousand miles away and known only out there. Taking care of that. This morning, I personally delivered copies of the recording to 500 radio stations in every part of the country. So you see, you there's nothing to worry. You personally delivered recordings all over the country this morning. Well, that's right. Well, how could you? How could I? Wh- oh, uh, uh, well, I, I mean, I... Uh, you mean you sent them out? Airmail? Well, uh, no, no, not exactly, but... but Clark, uh, what are you stuttering about? Oh, I know. I, I guess I'm just nervous, Lois. Batman and Robin, I mean. I'm sure they're in great danger. Oh, yes, I'm worried, too, Clark. Fantastic as it sounds, I'm beginning to believe you were right and that it wasn't Batman who made those un-American speeches. Oh, I'm positive it wasn't. If only... Uh-oh. What's the matter? 10, 15 times the planet announcement. Brought this portable radio down so we could hear it. Oh, well, turn it on. Yeah. There. And now we're going to play a recording of the voice. It's the voice of a man. And if anyone can properly identify it, he or she will be paid $10,000. Quiet, Lois. Huh? I didn't say anything. Here it is. Listen closely, please. Strange or not, I insist that you come to my place with me now to discuss the matter. That's Jones, isn't it, Clark? Yes. It's not a cock and bull story. What's he talking about? It doesn't make any sense. Oh, we, we cut out Batman's voice so as not to confuse anyone. Oh, I see. That's sheer nonsense, as you find out. But we're wasting time. I insist that you come away with me at once. There you are, ladies and gentlemen. Can you identify that voice? Well, there's $10,000 waiting That's for you if you is. can. Now, if only somebody can identify Lois before it's too late. It's our only chance to save Batman and Robin. Will somebody identify the voice of the mysterious Mr. Jones before it is too late? And now, back to the adventures of Superman. It is the middle of the afternoon, and in his office in the Daily Planet with Lois Lane, Clark Kent paces the floor anxiously. Heaven's sake, sit down, Clark. You're wearing a path in the carpet. Oh, hang the carpet. That recording has been on the air for over five hours now, Lois, but nobody has called up to identify Jones's voice. But it takes time. Time is one thing we haven't got. Well, I know. Oh, we know it might already be too late to say Batman. Oh, and now, Robert. look. And another it. thing I counted on hasn't worked out either. What's that? Well, I've learned that Batman's impersonator appeared at the bank the other day, forged Batman's signature, and drew out all his cash. He did? Yes. Well, I happen to know that most of Batman's fortune is in securities. I don't know where he keeps them, but I left word at all the banks that if anyone... Oh, just a minute, Lois. Clark Kent speaking. Who? Oh, yes, Mr. Anders. What? He did? When? What is it, Clark? He's there now, you say? What is it? Well, hold him. Stall him somehow. I'll be there at once. So long. Clark, what is it? Bruce, uh, uh, Batman's impersonator is at the Metropolis Trust Company now. Their safety deposit vault. He is? Yes. I'm going right out there. Keep your fingers crossed that I'm in time, Lois. <laughs> 
Rushing from his office to a deserted storeroom, Clark Kent swiftly strips off his business suit to reveal the blue costume and brilliant red cape of Superman. Up! Up! And away! Then he streaks away through the bright afternoon sky bound for the Metropolis Trust Company. Will he arrive in time to seize Batman's impersonator and perhaps Mr. Jones, too? There's a thrill a minute in tomorrow's exciting episode, fellows and girls, so be sure to listen. Tune in, same time, same station, for Chapter 8 of Batman's Great Mystery on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at this same time. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silverageheroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior!